The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Well, happy Christmas, you know, after all that work of cooking and cleaning, organizing, partying and partying, dressing the tree. The holiday weekend is finally here. Enjoy it. You deserve to have lots of fun and a memory-filled weekend. What do you think, Dr. Fleck? It's going to be memory-filled. It's definitely going to be memory-filled. You know what? I have a question to ask you, because all of America, actually everywhere in the world, people are talking about it. Have you been watching the Netflix series Harry and Meghan? As if I don't know the answer. No. Okay. Well, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are the focus of this new Netflix docuseries. The stars of the show are not only their children, Archie and Lilibet, Diana, Montbatten-Windsor, but the couple's three dogs. Whether the couple are petting the dogs or the children are interacting with the trio of canines or the dogs are just on the scene, you realize that they contribute to the love and the warmth of the family. You know, dogs make everything better and they play such a major role in a family, especially if you have kids, right? Maybe even if you don't have kids, they're very, very important. Well, you know, it's interesting. You've got uh, Guy the Beagle, he was Megan's dog that she flew over from Canada, and he factored into the couple's engagement story at Kensington Palace in 2017. And then there's Pula, the Black Labrador Retriever. Pula is the official currency of Botswana, which means rain, and is a reminder of the place where the couple fell in love. And then there's Mamma Mia. We talked about Mamma Mia a few weeks ago, the dog the family rescued from a breeding facility in Virginia. Megan wanted to give an older dog a better life. Well, to me, I think that particular dog represents a new plateau or the fact that the family settled into a home after all of the English and the family turmoil. I think Harry said it best when he said, between the three of them, they drudged around chasing the squirrels every day, but they are also emotional support dogs when they're behaving and and you always say this because you always talk about celebrities and how they're just like us when it comes to their dogs so just like us their dogs give love and support when they need it what do you think i'm in total agreement with what you say the celebrities are just like us and their pets have the same meaning for them as they do for us and at times maybe because they're in the spotlight so much and and in contrast to us they always have to be out there for people to observe them it's nice to have that closeness where nobody else is going to have to look at them when they are with their pet and emotionally can be involved with them just like we are yeah and i mean i agree with you especially since harry and megan situation oh has God, played out all, all the over the world and there is so much negativity as well as positivity about the couple as a whole so it's nice to see that they rely on those dogs like we do when there's tough times and when they need some being some some love to just make them feel and, and all of us as pet parents know how important that is we need that pet that part of our family that makes us whole 
I think that's the best way to say it. Well, I think we need to get on with the show. So uh, give us some show specifics. Well, this week on the Pet Buzz, we talked with Lauren Zimmerman of Oakley Athletics about indoor dog play during the winter months. And knowing how to play with a cat isn't just fun and games. It's also essential for your cat's health and well-being. Well, joining us today is Dream Team member, that certified feline behaviorist and author, Beth Edelman. Beth, I always have to say this. You're so, like, you're like family. I, I really don't like to say welcome back because I think of you when we're doing the show on a regular basis and a cat situation or question or even cat guests come up. So how are you? Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. I'm doing great, and I'm so glad to be here. So talk to us, just a really simple question. What's the purpose of cat play? The purpose of cat play is to let cats be cats. Mother Nature designed them to be predators, and they need to express those predatory instincts. So cat play gives them a chance to exercise their bodies and exercise their brains, both of which they would do if they were hunting. So how do we give them a chance to express their natural instincts? Is it through toys? Is it toys are definitely one way and that's interactive play because we are the only kinds of things that are smart enough to move around and get the cat thinking and puzzling. So interactive play is one and food toys is the other. That's something everyone might have heard of those little balls and towers and puzzles that cats can solve to get their food. Um, so that's addressing their brains with the puzzles and addressing their physical needs with interactive play. Okay. From what I understand, there are three types of play. And I think a lot of people really don't think about how many types of play are they? Can you give us an example of each and what we can use to engage our feline family members? Well, I think of it more as like different kinds of things that cats would hunt. The three cat food groups, which would be mouse, bird, and lizard or bug. <laughs> so things that run, things that crawl, and things that fly. And cats have different preferences for which kinds of things they like. And they will go after toys and play games based on their prey preferences. So that's one way that you can think about cat play. Another way that you can think about it is interactive play with a human, which we talked about, play with another cat and self-directed play, which is play like with a food toy or a puzzle. Okay, because a lot of those scenarios are true. I mean, we're home with our cats. Sometimes we have multiple cat households and also we have to go to work. And I know there's a big movement to give our cats stimulation while we're away from home. Absolutely, absolutely. And so that would be self-directed play. Food puzzles are one thing. Um, putting a, a perch on the window so and then a bird feeder outside. That's actually play for a cat. Hiding things around the house. I do this with my cats. I put like globs of catnip in paper bags and they have to search for them and then rip the bag open to find them. So those are things that they can do while I'm away. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dream Team member, certified feline behaviorist, Beth Edelman, and we're talking about cat play. So let's talk a little bit more enrichment. You mentioned maybe having a perch that faces, you know, a street or a tree. Um, and you talked about some other things. What are some other things? Talk about cat trees and why they're so important. First of all, if you don't give the cat an appropriate place to scratch, the cat will scratch your things. Okay, if you don't give the cat his or her things to scratch, they will scratch your things because scratching is a natural behavior. You cannot stop it. But the other thing is that our cats are descended from the North African wildcat which is a very small cat that rests in, in elevated spaces and small trees, basically. And that's to protect themselves. They're small cats, so things eat them. 
Um, and so they sleep and they eat in elevated spaces. And so cats really feel safe in an elevated space. So if you have a cat tree and you put it in the basement, still no fun. They like to hang out where the people are, but be in elevated spaces where they can survey the room. And also they like to scratch and they like to scratch up high. So cats are going to jump on your stuff and scratch your stuff if you don't give them stuff of their own. And I would think that you could also play around with that cat tree, correct? Like use fishing pole toys and other toys. And playing on the cat tree is a great idea. Absolutely. And I will say also, there's a lot of nice cat trays. If you remember 20 years ago when all cat furniture looked like crazy cat lady stuff, that's not the case anymore. There's actually a lot of companies that are doing really, really nicely designed things now. If you shop online and really look hard, you will find something that works in your decor. Yeah, Refined Feline has beautiful cat yes. trees. I mean, they're gorgeous. They're made with premium wood. They are expensive. I mean, we're talking three to $500. There are also sconces that you can put up and your cat can walk all around the house and kind of perch and really survey that territory. And they're actually gorgeous, right? They are. And, uh, you know, they are expensive, but it's kind of an investment. You know, the cat tree I have now in my living room was $200, but I've had it for 15 years. The well-built ones are expensive, but they last, you know, $200 for something that's lasting 15, 20 years. You know, it's $10 a year. It's not so much. But you also have to remember that you take care of it. You clean it, you vacuum it. Yes. You know, and that's really important. I find a lot of people, especially now with petflation, with the rising cost of prices, we really have to take care of our pets items. Okay, so let's move on. What type of toys are best? I know you mentioned a few. And mm -hmm. do we need to keep a lot of toys to keep our cats happy? And does that include even buying those expensive tech toys that are all over the market now? It doesn't. You know, my cat's favorite toy is a shoelace with a little piece of a little scrap of denim tied to the end of it. So we have a rule in our house, when you throw away an old pair of sneakers, you save the shoelaces. And you can tie a little scrap of denim or a feather or whatever. And the thing I love about a shoelace toy, it's very strong. And so it's very hard for them to break. And you can tie different things to it. You can tie a strip of toilet paper to the end, a feather, all kinds of different things. So you can, it changes the toy all the time. The thing about tech toys, and they can be fun, and cats often play with them for, for five minutes and then stop. The thing about tech toys is the motion tends to be repetitive. Even if they switch up, they tend to switch up in a pattern. And very quickly, the cat learns the pattern and then it's no fun anymore. There's no hunting. Oh, I know it's going to go here and then go there. Okay, I figured this out. Now we're done with this toy. Well, we have to take a commercial break and we'll be back with Beth Edelman discussing cat play. Also up next is Celebrity Pet Buzz and Flex Facts. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at the PetBuzz.com. I know you love your dog and you want to treat him well, but with so many treats in the pet marketplace, how do you choose? Look for treats made with no additives or preservatives, just natural ingredients like Hunter's Healthy Treats. Choose pumpkin, sweet potato, or peanut butter heart-shaped treats. Not only are they good for your dog, but he will love the taste too. For healthier treats and happier dogs, choose Hunter's Healthy Treats. 
visit HuntersHealthyTreats.com. Hunters Healthy Treats is a proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah, and thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz today. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We hope you are having a happy holiday weekend. Okay, well, we're back with Beth Edelman, author and certified feline behaviorist. You know, Beth, should we use food as well as catnip or silver vine when playing with our cats? I know earlier... Uh, in our last segment, you mentioned food and food toys. Cats sometimes get in that thing where they're like a whiny three-year-old and you take out every toy and they won't play with it, but they still keep whining. Like, I want to do something, but I don't know what I want to do. And so when my cats get like that, I take a little bit of their kibble and I just throw it down the hallway one piece at a time. I make them run all the way to the end. They eat it and then they have to come back. And then I throw another piece and they run up and down the hallway for five minutes. You can do that while you're sitting in a chair watching TV (laughs) and get your cats really running. (laughs) No, I think that's great. And, you know, the thing is so many pets are overweight. So I think when we are treating our cats, when it comes to play, we have to be very wise in doing it. What else should we know about food when it comes to toys? Um, So, Charlotte, you make a great point. If you have more than one cat, you want to make sure that your your cats have enough resources so they don't have to compete. Um, But the other thing to remember is that cats who kind of don't like each other much will actually work on food toys near each other, and it can help them get used to um, being near each other. So my cats, they get um, wet food and dry food. There's no reason to ever feed cats dry food out of a bowl. You can throw it down the hallway. You can put it in a food toy. There are uh, wet food food toys as well, things that they have to lick and paw and things like that. And the more that you can do that, the more play your cat is getting where you don't have to make a big effort. Should you schedule sessions like on a regular basis or should they just be impromptu? I think it's great to schedule sessions because then your cat has something to look forward to and they know when the sessions are coming and it can help head off that sort of anxious, nervous, play with me kind of pawing at you thing because they know it's coming. You know, it's like, I can wait. It's We're going to play in, in a half an hour. I know it's coming. I can wait. You know, one other thing that um, I, I was not such a long time ago at uh, a friend's house and her husband was playing with the cat and what I, I had to keep my mouth shut. He was using his hands a lot. And that's a no-no, yes? Oh, that is a no-no. That's a big no-no for two reasons. The first is, if you play with your cat with your hands, and we have this tendency, like if this is the table to do that kind of thing, right? Um, there's no way that the cat can learn that sometimes your hand is a toy and sometimes it's not. That's just, that's just not a distinction that they can learn. So then your hand is a toy and, you know, I could be, I talk a lot with my hands and I could be doing this and my cat might jump out and bite my hands at that moment. And then, you know, bad on me because I've taught my cat that my hands are a toy. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, we weigh a hundred pounds more than our cats. And if you're kind of doing that, that wrestling thing that you might do with a golden retriever, a large dog, it's scary. And you can end up, so you can end up sparking play aggression, but you can also end up sparking defensive aggression because now the cat could end up thinking that you're pretty scary. He's like groping me all over and making me uncomfortable. Hey, don't touch me. Hiss. You know, so there's, there's that kind of aggression that can happen too. You know, when we were talking not such a long time ago, we talked about buying toys that our cats like. 
Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that was important. Right. And that's because cats do have different preferences. Remember, I said, you know, mouse, bird, lizard, bug. Okay, so some cats like things that fly through the air. Some cats like things that wiggle on the ground. Some cats like really big toys. Some cats like really tiny toys. Cats always like a little something that they can carry around in their mouth, plus something big that they can chase. But really big toys can be scary to some cats where, you know, others like those giant things that they can hold and kick. And that has to do with different prey preferences. So their play preferences reflect that. People ask me a lot about laser pointers, too. And I want to just say a word about that because laser pointers can be pretty controversial. Some cat behaviors say, oh, worst thing ever. Um, But then people tell me the laser pointer is the only thing that's going to get my cat running. So here's what I will say is that remember, again, play is like hunting. So if your cat never gets to grab and bite the laser pointer, it's actually very frustrating. Part of the hunting sequence that makes it satisfying is grab and bite. So if your cat is running after the laser pointer, laser running, 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 and never gets to bite anything, yes, they will keep running, but it's like me playing that game on my phone where I'm stuck at level 86 and I can't get past it and I keep playing it, but it's not actually fun. (laughs) It's frustrating. And so if you want to play with a laser pointer, because that's the only thing that'll get your cat going, then take a couple of little soft toys and put them on the floor. And then every once in a while have the dot rest on the soft toy so the cat can grab and bite something so they have that satisfaction. Fantastic idea. So Beth, what do you want our listeners to take away from this interview with you about cat play? So I'm going to say two things. The first is, again, play is hunting. So think about it that way. And the second is play every day. Every day is essential for a cat's well-being. The number one thing that Mother Nature has designed cats for is to hunt. That's their number one purpose, and you need to give them some of it every day. Great, great idea, and so much information. Uh, And like Beth said, you can do it with fishing pole toys. You can do it with feeder toys, puzzle, lick mats. I mean, there's so much great information, cat trees. Uh, So everybody got to get your play on. Okay, well, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Before you go, can you give us your website? Yes, I can. My website is Beth Edelman wixsite.com backslash cat behavior. Great. Well, everyone that was certified feline behaviorist and author Beth Edelman discussing the do's and don'ts of cat play. We love having Beth on the show. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction. Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. You know, humans are not the only ones suffering from this winter's extreme flu season, with veterinarians across the U.S. advising dog owners to get their furry friends vaccinated. What's canine flu, Dr. Fleck, and what are the symptoms? Well, the canine flu is one of the infectious respiratory things that we can see in dogs. It spreads through the air. It can be transmitted like with the droplets and aerosols containing respiratory secretions from coughing, barking and sneezing. So symptoms include, just like us, coughing, sneezing, eye and nose discharge, fever, lethargy, and trouble breathing. While there are limited treatment options after dogs become infected, there is a preventative vaccine. While it is not a core puppy vaccine, by core we mean rabies, DHLPP, Bordetella, dogs that are at risk for catching the flu virus can receive it from their vet. So let me get this straight. So if your dog frequents, let's say kennels, groomers, daycare facilities, the dog park, are they at a 
increased risk of infection? Yes, I'm glad you said that. Neighborhood walks, grooming facilities, boarding facilities, daycare facilities. Those are all high incidence for transmitting the disease. So yes, I recommend every pet that experiences those to have the flu vaccine. But know that the canine influenza can be spread directly through objects like kennels, food and water bowls, collars and leashes, or people can act as fomites that have been in contact with infected dogs. Getting your dog vaccinated for the canine flu may not prevent infection altogether, just like us, but it may reduce the severity and duration of the illness as recommended by the American Veterinary Medical Association. Okay, big question, because everyone's talking about money or they don't have money. How much is the vaccine? It's a great insurance policy to get the vaccine. 40 to 50 bucks a piece. Wow. I mean, I heard it was could be as low as $25. It will become $25 if people get the vaccine and it's large in numbers and the pharmaceutical companies make it less expensive to us and we can make it less expensive. It's the vicious to... financial cycle. Absolutely. Okay, so where can pet owners learn more about the dog flu? They can call their vet's office or visit dogflu.com for more information. Anything else? That's all the Flex Facts for the week. Great reporting, Dr. Fleck, right on trend. Human flu, canine flu. Got to get that vaccine, Absolutely. Well, more of the pet buzz coming up after this commercial break. Up next, Oakley Athletics' Lauren Zimmerman talking about how to best play with your dog in these colder winter months. You are listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And we hope you are having happy holidays with your two-legged and four-legged family members. Hey, so what's the celebrity pet buzz today? Well, the Biden family highlighted their presidential pets this holiday season at the White House. Images of the White House pets Willow the Cat and Commander... The German Shepherd Dog are incorporated throughout the 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue's holiday decor. Well, on a sidebar, Dr. Jill Biden and the Dodo collaborated on a video of Willow's decoration tour. In the clip, Willow admires the White House's many Christmas trees and their shiny ornaments and sniffs the artificial snow covering the ground around the tree. But really, you could see it in her eyes and her body language. All she wants to do is climb those trees and play with those ornaments. Well, that's the nature of any cat, even a presidential one. Well, now it's time for the Pet Buzz Mailbag. You've got mail. So today, interesting question for Charlotte. Joan writes from... Nashville, Tennessee. I had a Christmas party about a week ago. At one point, I had to go to the bathroom during the party and my dog sat at the door and scratched. Normally I would let him in, but I had guests. It was so embarrassing with the three dogs sitting in the front of the door. 
why do my dogs follow me into the bathroom? Well, that is a great question, Joan. And I'm so happy that you brought it up because so many pet parents have this issue. Well, your dogs are the furry family members that you could always count on to be by your side, even when you don't need it or don't like it, like when you're using the bathroom. While it's true we often attend their potty breaks, do they really need to attend ours? Well, if you've been wondering, why does my dog follow me into the water closet, the loo, or the bathroom, or even, you know, I've got the answer for you. So if your dog follows you into the bathroom, it's likely a result of their animal instinct and pack mentality. Canines who do this are referred to as Velcro dogs due to their desire to be attached to your side. They may follow you around even to the bathroom to protect that part of the pack, you. So without you in sight while you're home, especially if you're having guests in your home, they may feel a sense of vulnerability. If you want to stop them from falling into the bathroom, teach them to sit, stay on a placemat, gradually moving the mat away from the door. Make sure to give them treats as a reward for good behavior each time they're successful. But most importantly, keep up the consistency. And next year at this time, you won't have this needy problem and you won't be embarrassed by the situation. What do you think, Dr. Fleck? I think that was a profound analysis and certainly something for everybody to think about. (laughs) Well, most dogs love being outdoors. So much for it to look at, to see, and to smell. But even when the air starts to get crispier, being outside is still pretty great. But when Winterhead's figuring out how to keep our dogs happily exercised and occupied requires a little bit more creativity especially when they're indoors. Well, joining us today to talk about indoor play is Lauren Zimmerman of Oakley Canine Athletics in South Carolina. She is a global agility ambassador. I like to refer to her as Coach Lauren. Uh, Welcome back to the Pet Buzz, Lauren. I'm always happy to see you and happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays to you as well. Thanks for having me, Charlotte. We love having you here. Unfortunately, Dr. Fleck couldn't be here today. Well, Lauren, we told some of our listeners that you would be joining us today, and they wrote in with questions. So Jeff from the Chicagoland area wrote, Lauren, where is the best place? Where? Eh. So Jeff from Chicagoland area wrote, Lauren, where is the best place to play with your dog uh, when you need to play inside? So I'm always looking for a space that's big enough for you both to play around and make sure that you're not hitting any objects. So anything that could possibly hurt them in any way, like running their face into something or stepping on something that could hurt their paw. I always want to make sure that most of the area is cleared out from furniture or other objects that could be on the floor um, and making sure that the space is non-slip. So that way the dogs aren't splaying or are slipping while they're playing with you. So a large non-slip space with less objects around is key. Okay. Very, very good. Very important to know. I, Lauren knows this, but one of the reasons I bought my house is because it was very open. I like a more traditional house with defined rooms. And I did that so the dogs could run around and enjoy themselves, even though I have small dogs. Uh, okay. Well, Beth from Jersey, the Jersey Shore tweeted, should you schedule play sessions with your dogs at various times of the day or have dedicated playtime sessions? 
So really it depends on the dog. Some dogs really love a routine and other dogs don't. They're kind of variable in their schedule. So if your dog really loves a routine, I would pick a time that works best for them. So whether they're really active in the morning or afternoon or evening, that's when I would stick to my playtime because that way they know when their playtime is coming. Um, otherwise, some dogs, depending on the day and depending on what they did the, the day before, kind of dictates their mood. So if they're really not feeling it and they're sleeping, I would let them be and try for later in the afternoon. Um, some dogs just love a variable schedule and some dogs really love to have things regimented for them. So really it depends on the dog. Yes, I guess it sounds like people. Some people like to go in the gym in the morning. Some people like to go at noon and some people like to go either before dinner or after dinner, you know, before mm -hmm. they go to bed. So I guess pets are like people too. Okay. Well, Kim from Cleveland wrote, how good or indoor agility sets? And I called Kim back to find out that she had small dogs. She has very active Maltese. Uh, yeah, some of the agility sets now that you can find online are actually really great. They're they're designed for indoor spaces. So the rails are a little smaller. Um, the weave poles can be easily folded up. The tunnel is shorter and can easily be folded up. So these are great for using them indoors, especially if you if you have a medium to larger space. That way the dog can move and navigate them correctly. Um, you can have them out when you want to have them out and then you can easily fold them up and put them back in their in their kit and put it in a closet say if you have guests coming over so i really really like them they're getting really creative with some of the um objects and and obstacles that they're using in these kits but i think it'd be great especially for a small dog but we always want to make sure that we're doing anything that has to do with agility or um more high impact exercise on a non-slip surface so that's key with those uh, with those equipment objects dan from pampa bay has a great question he said and he posted this question on facebook he said my dog loves to fetch what toys can you recommend to play fetch with inside so really it just depends on what your dog loves. So if your dog loves tennis balls or they love holy rollers or kongs I would be playing with what your dog considers high value, but I'm also very conservative with fetch. So especially if we're playing fetch indoors, again, we want to make sure that it's on a non-slip surface because if it's on like a hardwood surface, the dogs can easily splay out um, with their rear end and can hurt themselves. Um, same thing with the front end. Them coming down to grab the toy is very percussive on their shoulders. So we also can have injuries that way. So what I like to do is anytime we need to play fetch indoors, I play it into a soft surface. So either into the corner of a couch or into a dog bed. That way, when the dog goes to get the toy, they tend to slow down a bit. And then they also are landing in a soft surface. That way we don't have the the percussion on the shoulders and also there's less risk for injury in both the front and the rear end i think that's great advice i mean i think that's and that's a really safe way to play fetch also there's some great uh pet mate makes these great indoor soft toys there's uh balls and footballs and others you know sized elements and they make them even small for small dogs so if you're playing in the summer and you're worried about hitting a wall you don't have to worry so much because it is a soft toy covered with kind of like a carpet-like surface, which is kind of a cottony uh, 
soft surface. Okay, we need to take a commercial break. And when we return, Coach Lauren Zimmerman, Global Agility Ambassador, will be back answering your questions. Also on our next segment, Global Pet News and Tell Me Something Good. Training matters for all dogs, especially for puppies. To make training fun and enjoyable, motivate your pooch with Hunter's Healthy Treats. Hunter's treats contain no corn, wheat, soy, preservatives, added flavors, or food coloring. Dogs love them because they're soft-baked with healthy ingredients like pumpkin, peanut butter, and sweet potato. Train your dog to give him the best life with the best motivation. Hunter's Healthy Treats. Visit Hunter'sHealthyTreats.com. Hunter's Healthy Treats is a proud partner of the Pet Buzz. So I'm a cat. And I just moved in with this new human. And she's got this little toy she's always playing with. All day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up. Like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Here at the Pet Buzz, we are urban, suburban, and and country. This is our Christmas weekend programming. Well, welcome back, Lauren. Just to remind you, we're discussing ways to occupy your pet during the colder winter months when he or she is spending more time indoors. But it really doesn't just have to be in the winter months. You know, depending on where you live, you might live in an extreme weather environment. Think of Las Vegas, where it's really cold in the winter and really hot in the summer. You know, you want to keep Fido playing all year round, both in the winter and the summer months. Okay, here's a question from Kaylee from Texas. And she asked, should you really be concerned with rotating? Uh, should, uh, let me start over. Kaylee from Texas asked, should you be concerned with rotating your dog toys each month? And what type of toys are, are best for small dogs? Yeah, that's a really great question. And so it really, again, depends on the dog. Some dogs who really love routines tend to really like the same type of toys. So some dogs consider a certain toy their toy. It's their precious thing. And so if that's the case, I would not change that because that sometimes upsets them. And so if your dog really loves one particular thing, I'd stick kind of with the one particular thing. If you want to get a couple varieties of it that the dog really likes, go with that. But some dogs really do love change and love variability. And so getting different objects like puzzle toys where they can move things around and find food um, and also play with the object at the same time. Some dogs really love that variability. It really gets them thinking. And so those type of dogs that are bored easily, that aren't very attached to a very specific toy, rotating those toys would be great. Um, For small dogs, the only thing that I want to recommend and same thing with large dogs as well is just making sure that the toy is large enough that it won't get stuck in the throat so anything that the dog has access to i want to make sure is large enough that they can still get their mouth around it but also not ingest so that is my biggest thing even with small dogs is just to make sure that it's a size appropriate toy 
And that's a good point. And also make sure it's still in good condition. I remember not such a long time ago, a dog had come into Dr. Flex clinic and the toy had kind of splayed or frayed and the toy got stuck on the dog's lip and had to literally couldn't get the toy off. The dog was freaking out and screaming. They had to put the dog under anesthesia, which was another cost to Mm -hmm. remove that toy. So it's really important to keep your toys in good condition. You know, there's saliva on them. There's bacteria. It's a good idea to wash them on a regular basis and keep them fresh. Same thing I always say with dog leashes and dog beds. You want to keep those toys in good shape. Okay. I thought this question was a really an interesting one. Dwayne from Kalamazoo, Michigan writes, and I know you're a Michigan girl, Lauren. He is a Rottweiler and he just became an A. KC, an AKC canine good citizen. So congratulations, Dwayne. We're happy for you. Now he's looking for a fun class to take uh, his dog to this winter. He likes agility, but he's in his late 60s and he's not sure if he can keep up. So what do you recommend? So this is a great question. I have plenty of clients who are over 60 years old that participate in agility. There is a wide um, competitor base that is that is in their 60s or above that run agility. So I do not believe that age should be limiting your goals. So when you are going into these things, what we want to focus on, though, because you may have some physical restrictions, is that we're teaching the dog distance skills. So we're really focusing on teaching the dog the individual obstacles and making sure that they really understand their verbal commands. That way you can handle from a distance and you don't always have to be there. So if you're physically limited a little bit, either from your knees or you've had a hip replacement previously and you can't move around as well, the dogs are younger. So we teach them the skills that way you can handle it a distance and yet you don't always have to be there that's great advice and you know rottweilers are such big majestic dogs they've got great hand-eye coordination Dwayne, i guess lauren is telling you you can get out there get a little bit of exercise within your physical capabilities but really have a good time with your dog and meet a lot of people because a lot of you know like he became an akc good citizen But, you know, that's individual training sessions with a group. There's not a lot of interaction. But with agility, there's a whole crowd of people, lots of activity every weekend. And you have the opportunity to meet new friends, right? Yeah, it's a really welcoming and wonderful community to be a part of. Uh, The agility community is is widespread. I mean, it's, it's everywhere all over the globe. Um, But really here in the States, we have a really great community. And I, I love being a part of it. Awesome. So Lauren, before you leave, can you give us a few other ideas, I guess, for indoor winter play? Yeah, absolutely. So you can always um, go with a dog treadmill. Um, There's plenty of great treadmills on the market that are specifically for dogs, like a dog pacer. Um, When you're living in extremely cold or extremely hot climates, um, it's always great to have one of those around. But if you're not interested in having a a treadmill to do some of the cardiovascular exercise when the when the elements are not ideal outside. Uh, you can always look for things called snuffle mats. Um, it's kind of like a uh, ripped up fabric that you can stuff treats and stuff into that keeps them uh, busy. Uh, they're using their olfactory senses to really move the pieces of fabric around and find the cookies. 
Um, you can always use the puzzle toys, kind of the same concept, um, but they have to kind of solve a puzzle to figure out where the food is at. Um, you can play tug of war with your dog. So finding a great tug, especially large dogs, they love to play tug. Um, this really gets their shoulders and their hips working, really building those booty muscles. Um, you can also find things like lick mats where you can, um, paste food onto them or stuff things into Kongs and freeze them. That keeps the dogs busy for, for quite a while using their, um, olfactory senses and really thinking about, um, things as they are getting the food. Um, and then also you can do kind of an at home obstacle course. I know we talked about, um, having the indoor agility kit, but you can even come up with, uh, great ways to use things like a broomstick for the dog to jump over or use a chair and have them crawl under it. Um, same type of movements that they're doing agility, but really with just household items that everybody has in their house, like a broomstick or a chair. Um, all of these things can keep the dogs active during the wintertime and provide great exercise for them indoors. You know, I love having Coach Lauren here because she always gives us such great ideas. Unfortunately, she has to depart. But Lauren, thanks for joining us today. And can you give us your website? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And you can find more about all of this on oakleycanineathletics.com. Well, just to remind you, that was Lauren Zimmerman of Oakley Canine Athletics. Lauren is a certified canine athlete specialist and canine fitness trainer. She is also a global agility ambassador. Well, before we end the show, we have to tell you something good. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. So Maggie, one of our online listeners, wrote to us from upstate New York. Maggie's husband recently died. He died in September. And their dog, Benji, was really her husband's dog. But now Benji is all hers. And whenever she is sad and crying, the dog jumps up and gives her a hug, which I think is really sweet. Well, a few weeks ago, the dog who was used to going on daily walks with her husband had been content to use the bathroom in the backyard, you know, to take care of business. But in the beginning of December, the dog started grabbing his leash and sitting by the door at his regular walk times. She didn't know if she had the energy to go out. Well, anyway, she wrote to us and she told us that she finally obliged the dog and took him out for a walk and get this Dr. Fleck. And to her surprise, she took the dog out for a walk and before she even walked to two houses down, a neighbor lady with her dog said, finally, you're here. Everyone's been looking forward to meeting you. And within minutes, she met her husband's evening dog walking crew and all of Benji's friends. The dog had brought so much joy into her life that she's finally thinking about getting out of the house She's feeling a lot better. She's thinking about doing some volunteer work at a local shelter in the new year and taking some dog training classes with Benji. And she wrote, the power of dogs just doesn't stop. What a great story. It's a wonderful story. What pets do for our human existence. Totally amazing, right? Well, Maggie, we support you. We love hearing this story because it is, like Dr. Fleck said, so reflective of what our dogs for, can do for, for us. us. Right. I mean, we do for them every single day. But Maggie, we wish you especially, you and Benji, a great 
2023. And keep in touch with us because we want to hear where you're volunteering, what you're doing, and what kind of classes you're going to take. And enjoy your new group of friends. I know. I think that's going to break. I have a feeling. I personally think she would enjoy trick training classes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that'll keep her really occupied. Well, Dr. Fleck, it's a wrap. What? I know. You say the same thing every week. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're looking back at 2022 with some of our favorite guests. And you know who they are? Our special guests for this week, Beth Edelman and Lauren Zimmerman. And of course, we must always want to thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And of course, Hunter's Healthy Treats, making all natural, yummy treats for dogs of all sizes. And if you have a question, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We will cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.